Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hello everyone, I hope you're doing okay. Our reading today is Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. I'll give you a moment to find that in your Bible or on your phone. It is Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 34. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Amen. Thanks, uh, David, for reading Mark 5 for us. So glad you didn't get called away to do a report in the middle of that. So um, we really appreciate that. Thanks to Sarah for leading us in worship and for Dave leading us around um, communion this morning as well. Um, we've been saying this weekly, well, this is not the ideal, it's the way we have to do it at the minute, and um, we do miss you as uh, David was reading today. I began to think, and during the week as well, where everybody sits, <laughs> kind of funny, and we make fun of people's seating habits of where they sit in church, but at times like this, actually, it's lovely, and uh, I was doing a little meander as I walk, missing everybody, seeing where everybody sits, Tony and Sonia just down here. Um, Ruth and um, Ruth and David are usually about here. Um, John and Kathleen are usually about here. And um, my own little family, the Kernigans, are here. Um, the Dowdswells and the Stones are usually over here. The McKees and the McAvoys are here. And uh, I was just going through them all, missing them. Andy Benson usually sits down about there. Helen Pooch usually sits down about the door there. And uh, so I've been doing this little walk this week and thinking about where you all sit and praying for you. And uh, the Leeburns, somewhere in around here as well. And uh, yeah, and I'm not dead sure this was a good idea to do um, because it does get quite emotional because we miss everybody, Harry and Jacqueline right here. And, um, and of course, Billy and Celia down about the middle to the back. And so on and on I could go. So we miss you all so much. Um, what we've been doing um, over the last, I suppose, from September last year is looking at the, 
the big subject of how to follow Jesus in all of life around our discipleship process. And so we looked at this through the verse in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we looked at the way, we looked at the truth, and now we're going to take some time and look at the life of Jesus. And so we're continuing on looking at the life of Jesus and asking ourselves some big questions, questions like, What does a life full of Jesus look like? What does that look like? What happens when you touch Jesus? And maybe even a bigger question, what happens when Jesus touches us? And if ever there was an opportunity, you'll see I've got my pot again here. I'll refer to that in a moment or two. But if ever there was an opportunity to live the life of Jesus, it's now. If ever there was a time to love our neighbor as ourselves, as the um, great commandment tells us, most of us have been freed up time-wise. And uh, a good question at this time is, what are we noticing? What are we using this time to notice? What are the opportunities in our developments and in our streets and in our areas where we could reach out and help and love our neighbor as ourselves? How could we pray for our areas? Could we, we're all walking every day, I'm sure, I hope. And uh, um, how could we prayer walk? How could we do that? How could we pray for the needs in our area? And so what I want to do, I want to pick out a little phrase out of David's reading today from Mark 5. And it's interesting how um, whenever the woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, it says that Jesus turned around. Jesus turned around. And that's my little phrase today. Jesus turned around. Did you ever notice that a lot of um, Jesus' ministry was born out of interruptions? Um, Jesus was on his way to the home of Jairus. This uh, man, his daughter, was really ill. And so Jairus, I'm sure, is in a hurry. And they get interrupted by this woman who is in desperate need. And interruptions are usually frustrating to us, but they're not frustrating to Jesus, all right? And maybe maybe the biggest lesson for us um, to learn in this lockdown time is that our lives have been one big hurry and uh, no time. And maybe, just maybe, we've been missing the divine interruptions, things that we think are interruptions or moments that maybe we've missed all along. My dad died in 2007, and not long before he died, my dad suffered with Alzheimer's for many, many years, and the last 12 years of his life was really immobile and quite bedridden, although we'd lift him, uh, hoist him from bed in the morning, he would sit in the chair and get changed a couple of times during the day and hoist him back to bed at night, and that was his life for about the last 10 or 12 years, really, and, um, and, uh, and I, I grew up, I was the youngest of seven, and I grew up in a home back in that day. My mom and dad were, were great people, but um, they weren't touchy-feely. They weren't um, the sort of people. My dad wasn't the sort of man who told you he loved you every day, um, but he was a provider and a good dad and all of that. And, uh, but they, they just weren't that uh, generation that did that. And um, one of the times that, um, and one of the back-to-beds, so we, we all had a little slot um, during the week, I had four of them where I would go down to help the nurse to change them. And I uh, had one of those with a back to bed on a Sunday night. And uh, one night when I was putting them back to bed, um, I was waiting on the nurse coming. And uh, he uh, was lying in the bed, just uh, um, 
and, and my mom was in the kitchen doing something and I was, had my hand on his chest and I was praying for him and I uh, had my eyes closed and as, my, as I had my hand on his chest, all of a sudden I felt his hand on my face and uh, my dad had never touched me in that sort of way in his life. He wasn't that type of a man to show his affections like that but he just, he just put his, his hand on my face and it was one of the most incredible moments that uh, I ever experienced with my dad. And it was like, um, here I was, a man in my mid-40s at the time. And uh, I remember driving home that Sunday night, just weeping the whole way home, just to get touched by my dad was a beautiful thing. And I have a feeling at this moment in time, I have a feeling at this moment in time that that's what God is trying to do to his church. He's trying to, Touch them affectionately. Touch them with love. Touch them to slow them down, to make them realize that there are interruptions, divine interruptions. And while we see this all as a hassle, I can tell you assuredly that he is at work. Now, um, the story today is an incredible story of, of courage, of faith, of desperation and hope. And this woman who is weak from a constant loss of blood, she's anemic, she's been abused. Now, last year, in June last year, I had the great privilege to stand in the Encounter Chapel in, in Magdala. And, uh, and in, in this little chapel down in the basement in uh, the Encounter Chapel, um, there's the most beautiful picture on the wall. Um, I'd love to be able to show it to you, but it's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful picture, seen painted by a guy called Daniel Cariola, and it is stunning, to say the least. And I shared this story um, in, in this chapel, in this encounter chapel with our, with our group down there. Now, this woman is unnamed, known only by her condition. She's had it so long. Her condition now has given her... A, her identity, um, so we don't know her as June or Jessica or anything like that. She's known as the woman with the issue of blood. She would have cut, been cut off from her family, from society. She would have been known as unclean. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the old enemies had a field day with her mind and with her emotions. I'm sure she's felt at the bottom of the barrel, all right? And she would have tried every mythical idea to um, mend herself, every idea of remedy. So drinking herbs, sudden frights. They even tell us back in that day there were certain ditches if you sat in them that this would uh, go away. But she was at her wit's end financially, emotionally, physically exhausted and her options have all since run out. But this woman had heard of Jesus due to his previous miracles and the word had spread about how he had healed others and, and he had healed so many that maybe, just maybe, her thought was that he could, he could um, heal her. Oh, the power of personal testimony. Dave was saying this at the start about personal testimony. Somebody told this woman about Jesus. Now, if there's not, there's, there's a sermon series in that. Someone told this woman about Jesus and she went and found him. And there is a, a, a Holy Spirit account. If, you, if we could 
curtail our, our, our salvation stories down to a couple of minutes and just tell people how um, Jesus turned our lives around. I tell you, the power of personal witness is so powerful. And maybe even in your neighborhood, just to knock a door and, and tell someone what Jesus has done in your life, or just even to knock a door and say, Look, I just want you to know I'm here for you and I'm praying for you. Is there anything that I could help with that? So this woman is now going to be healed because someone told her about Jesus. That's a great story. Now, this woman's health had deteriorated to the point of hopelessness. And again, I say probably she's skeptical, I'm sure, if not cynical. Um, the, the, the outcome of everything that has happened to her so far has been desperate. And uh, God loves it, I think, when our options are limited. I think when, when our options start to dry up, that's when God comes to the fore. And uh, all too common in today's society is, is believers or Christians who straddle the fence of the world, never burning the bridges, holding on to the past, even sometimes the pain of our past, jumping from crisis to crisis, looking for sympathies from a world that doesn't really care. Um, so this woman, I'm going to call this woman a woman or a person who dared, a woman who dared. Now, she did, she did two or three things, all right? The first thing she did, she, she heard of Jesus. Something registered in her soul when she heard of Jesus. A flicker of hope, a hope long lost, reignited with no options left. She heard of Jesus. And then secondly, she made a decision. She made a decision. Now, I don't know if you've ever made a decision, not some wishy-washy notion of a decision, but a, a now on-the-spot decision. That's what she done. She made a decision and she overcome her fears. So she heard of Jesus, made a decision, she overcome her fears. Her weakness, her culture, her disillusionment, the crowd that um, was most likely that she groveled through the dirt um, to get to Jesus where she touched the piece of his garment that was actually in the dirt the hem of the garment. And I often say that she crawled over her history to reach her destiny. Her history was to be pushed to the side. Her history was to be forgotten. Her history was to not come near, but she crawled over that history to reach her destiny. Now, the word touch is an interesting word. When you look the word touch up in the Greek, in the Strong's Concordance, it's the Greek word haptoma. All right, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that very well, but it's H-A-P-T-O-M-A-I. And it means to attach yourself to something. So we get this idea that she just reached over and touched it. But um, she, she, it, it means to attach. It's a, it's a word that's linked to the word hapto, which means to fasten to or to set on fire. Like she meant business with this. She wasn't just thinking, I'm going to chance this and see what it's like. She meant business. She was attaching herself to something and she fastened herself to this hem. And as a result, she drew fire from Jesus and she lit something in her soul from him. It's a pretty incredible story. Now, verse 30 then tells us that when this happened, that Jesus, knowing that virtue had went out of him, turns around to see who had the courage to do this. And imagine that now. Jesus picks her up. She, she, she's made the move. She's made the first move. But Jesus is now picking up in this. He knows the virtue. Now, the word for virtue in the Greek is the word dunamis, all right? And basically, if you look up the word dunamis, here's what it means. It means force, miraculous power, ability, abundance, meaning, might, power, strength, violence, and mighty, wonderful work. Now, that's some word. 
And here, get the picture. She attaches herself to the hem of the garment of Jesus and she draws down uh, uh, force, miraculous working power, ability, abundance, meaning, might, power, strength, the violence of the kingdom of heaven into her soul. You see, here's the thing. Your giant can make you great if you decide to fight it. Your giant can make you great if you decide to fight it. And sometimes the thing that keeps you away is the very thing that God uses to draw you near. Oftentimes, you see, the thing that actually pushed, the thing that was pushing this woman into the background was the very thing that God used to actually bring her into the kingdom. This bleeding isolated her from society. And she would, why would she think she would even get away with this? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And when Jesus turned around to find her, I love this, he turned around. He's not willing to let her slink off into the crowd again unnoticed. He wants to declare something in her. And I think, I think, um, like the Bible tells us she knew, it says she felt in her body she was healed. But I think it was because Jesus wasn't content with her just getting touched and healed. He he saw her as being the master potter. He saw her as being um, someone who now had just stepped onto the wheel. Remember last week we talked about the character of the pot and the capacity of the pot as uh, Jesus puts his hand in. And this is what's going to happen now. Jesus is going to create capacity in this woman. Um, to him, she just stepped on to this pot. And I love this. There's a wee verse in Philippians 1 that says, one verse 6 says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will complete it will complete it to the glory of Christ. So he has turned around towards this woman. As he turns around to us today, as he turns around to you, I want you to think about this. I want you to think for the last uh, five minutes or so about the potter. Now, there's a great passage in Jeremiah 18. And let me read it for you, the first six verses. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and he says, I saw the potter working at the wheel, but the pot was shipping, um, he was shipping from the clay, was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shipping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me and he said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, Israel. Now, I love this scripture. I love the whole imagery of the potter. You see, when, when, when scripture wants to teach us about God's, um, uh, uh, God's compassion and guidance and care for his people, it uses the familiar metaphor of a shepherd. But when scripture wants to teach us about God's sovereignty and his authority over people, he uses the metaphor of a potter and, and clay. It's beautiful. And this uh, prophet, Jeremiah, he, he's going down and he's seeing this sort of familiar process where the potter would take the clay, he would put it on the wheel and he would begin to mold it and make it. But God is sending him down with fresh eyes. He's saying, God's up to something new. And, and if ever we could say that with sincerity, we could say today, God is up to something new. Or maybe it's just God's way. It's just not new to God, but it's certainly new to us and to the world. And so the, this, this guy goes down and he, he observes three things. He observes that the potter is always working. 
The potter is always working. So important for you to know that, all right? The, the, he's fashioning the, the clay. He never stops. He, we, we are never complete until we get the glory. So God will continue to work on us as his, as his pots. And he'll begin and he'll continue as we stay on the potter's wheel to create capacity in our lives for what he wants us to do. Now, the second thing, not only is the potter always working, but he's making useful vessels. And this woman, this woman, while she was content with just getting healed, I think what Jesus saw was a vessel, a vessel that he wanted to create capacity in someone where the end of the book of John tells us of all the things that Jesus did were recorded, the whole world wouldn't hold the books. And I would love to know what the history or what, what happened in the events after this healing with this woman. So here is this potter. Now, he's not just always working, but he's working, making a useful vessel. And then, and then here's the thing. God has no intention of saving you without making you useful for his service. So important you know that. And I think this is a great lesson because um, he said to this woman, I'm not just healing you, I'm calling you. I have more to do in you. So the potter is always working. He's always making useful vessels and he's always making useful vessels according to his point of view. The apostle Paul asked this provocative question in Romans 9, 20. Well, what is molded? Say to the molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay. So the potter shapes a lump of clay according to his desires. He never asks the clay for suggestions, but how often we don't really understand what God's doing in our lives. We become resistant. We become unmoldable. We, as it were, step off the potter's wheel and we become spoiled in the hand of the potter. And we do well to accept the assignment in our lives. We do well to accept God's hand upon us. Now, and sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes our life goes through hardships and grief and loss and difficult times, but we must trust that his hand is good. We must trust that the hand of the potter is upon our lives and his hand is good and he only does what is good for his vessels. And if you allow this principle to rule your life, it will be an incredible journey. I can assure you that. Trust him. Don't try to understand him, but trust him. He has his heart set towards you. Now, landing this in the next two minutes, all right? I want to read another passage of Scripture to you um, because I just feel as we look at our society, as we look at how God turns around to a woman who's broken and marred, sees her as a pot that he wants to shape and mold and create capacity in, that's exactly what he wants to do with us. Now, there's a passage in Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet of Isaiah, in, verse, in chapter 58, verses 9 to 12. This is what it says in the message version. If you get rid of unfair practices... Quit blaming victims. Quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourself to the down and out, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Firm muscles and strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, 
rebuild the foundations from your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate and make the community livable again. Wow, what a call. I reckon Jesus was sending this woman as he sent the man, the the maniac from Gadara that we talked about a few weeks ago, I reckon he's sending this woman back as a pot to influence her, her spheres of family and friends and neighborhood, just as we're doing. And those who touch him, he will touch. Those who touch him, he will touch. And I just wondered as we land this today, are you ready to be touched by Jesus? Are you ready for him to turn around? Are you ready to reach out and make that move that this woman made, making her a person who was seen as a pot, putting herself into the hands of the master potter? Now, there are many things that I haven't figured out in this life, but there's one thing I know for certain. I know that everything changes when Jesus turns around. Everything changes. Our worlds change. And that's exactly what he'll do for you today if you reach out to him. If you would just step onto the potter's wheel, if you would attach yourself to him, touch him, draw virtue from him. What is the word? Dunamis, force, miraculous power, ability, and strength, and abundance. He will change your life forever. That's the business that God's in. So, Let's look for the divine interruptions this week as we spend time walking in our communities, as we spend time knocking a neighbor's door and realizing that maybe that person hasn't seen anybody for a few days and maybe it's an older person that you can stand on the edge of the footpath and have a conversation and pray with. There's so many things we could do. Use your imagination. That's what we're asking you to do. Let's bow our heads and pray. Um, If you feel the Lord speaking to you today, You'll see the number on the bottom of your screen is our helpline number, and that will be man today. And so we would love to pray for you. We'd love to, um, in whatever way we can, if, uh, if there's a, an issue or if you'd love to give your life to Jesus, maybe you just pray a prayer or something like this. Father, thank you for Jesus. Today I repent of my sin. I say, Jesus, would you come and enter my life? Would you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? Would you come and turn around and change my life forever? I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You pray a prayer like that and you pray it with the sincerity of your heart, your life will change forever. You will be his child and your destiny will be sealed just like this woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.